it's the analytics teams that are getting hit harder than most. And I think, again, a lot of it is on us because we've wanted that pat on the back to say, hey, you turn that around real quick. They valued kind of our technical expertise instead of what they should be valuing us for is our understanding of business, our ability to use data to help us understand our customers, our, our ability to partner with product teams to build better products that create better experiences for our customers. That's what we should be valued for. But those things take time. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. So I don't know, okay, first before we start then, who is Llewellyn Moss? Uh, he's one of the, uh, he's one of the anti-heroes in uh, No Country for Old Men. Okay. I, I got to uh, stop calling that stuff out. So for those that are watching the video feed, you'll, you'll understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's Jason's tagline right now. I should just probably just leave it and see if people can. No, no, it's all good. And uh, you and I talked about, and then it came up again on a conversation this morning on LinkedIn about some of these really bad cold emails. Look, if, if someone sends me a cold email, but it's got good intent and there's authenticity to it, I'll probably just let it go or I may even engage. But these ones that are so bad, um, you know, I, I did the thing where I sent the link to my landing page and said, look, if you want to connect with me, here's your playbook. That didn't work because <laughs> one person did, but like no one clicked through on it, right? Like, oh, that's too much work. Uh, so I've started responding to these cold emails with random um, movie quotes, and it's it highly entertains me um, because it <laughs> really confuses them. And we talked about it on an internal call. I had one a couple weeks ago where, oh, man, we had a really good back and forth, and I used nothing but lines from um, Usual Suspects. And uh, I've got one now that I'm using lines from uh, No Country for Old Men. So that's the connection with my... Uh... Now, now here's the thing. When, when you actually respond with those movie quotes, do people actually come back to you? And They have. No, I mean, not very often because I think a lot of these... I think a lot of these cold email programs are drip programs that are... There's not a human behind. There's some sort of AI kind of detecting content and and trying to move people forward. I found that out because some of the replies, the replies back I get, you can see are just sequenced in like a drip campaign. Like they paid no attention to what I said. A lot of times they don't reply back because I think the AI behind it determines there's not a valid kind of next step in the conversation. But every, ever so often I, I get people that engage and they are just utterly, utterly confused about what I'm saying. <laughs> and that's that to me is where I get some really good enjoyment out of it. That's hysterical. Yes. That's really, really funny. Yes. Anyways. Yeah. So today I don't know whether I should be tired or bouncing off the walls. Um, I, I'm surprised we're even doing a podcast. Well, hey. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, what, why not? That's what, that's what you look like when you're a professional, you know? 
Yeah, so just got back in right around lunchtime from from a quick little client visit. And then so had was doing that yesterday and then stayed up last late last night to watch the Phillies uh, win their wild card series um, in, in the Major League Baseball playoffs. And then was up today and then drove home. But I've also had a lot of coffee. So, again, mm-hmm. don't know whether I should be tired or just like motor mouth at the moment. So today's going to be fun. And that, that's probably why we should record, because yeah. today it, it, you're, you're going to have over-caffeinated Jim. Hey, I'm here for it. Nice. Nice. And so I really don't have a segue in, so let's just dive in. Um, so um, our topic today continues our theme around proving value, specifically with analytics teams and you know, like to, to kind of rehash the last couple episodes, we were talking about, we've talked about the importance of value. We've even gone into the, just what is value? What does it mean to be valuable? Um, so today I really want to zero in and talk about what are ways analytics teams create value for their organizations. Um, and why I think this is an important conversation is we talked about with value, there's an ever increasing need for analytics teams to prove value, but their the value they produce isn't always apparent. Um, so how does an analytics team create value for an organization? Um, yeah, what value do they bring? It's uh, yeah, it's a big question, and I'm one that I think um, the timing is really good uh, because we. I, it seems like we're we're kind of dragging this out ad nauseum. This kind of. Um, struggle that analytics teams have been having with decreased budget, decreased headcount. But it's not that we're dragging the topic out. It's that this continues to be a very real challenge that has been a historical challenge. But really, since the start of the pandemic, we haven't seen a recovery uh, in analytics. Um, And so our ability uh, as analytics practitioners, as analytics leaders to show real value that we're creating in the organization is is more important than ever just to our our livelihood of of sticking around and and getting a paycheck um and so you know we've we've thought a lot about this and i think there's probably a different answer at different levels of organizations and different industries you know in in full transparency the type of companies we work with are incredibly big you know billions and billions of dollars in revenue a year you know multinational global brands and so your ability as a data person as an analytics or, uh, organization in those type of companies looks vastly different than if you're a data person or an analytics role in in a smaller company or a startup but let, let's talk about maybe both of those kind of two extremes um in these very large companies one of the things that we figured out early on is that as good as we believe we are, um, as good as the feedback has been from the companies that we work with that we're, we're really um, solving very complex problems, adding incredible value to the organization, from a top looking down perspective, the, the impact that we or anyone else can really have uh, on these massive companies is microscopic. You know, like even if we make millions and millions and millions of dollars of impact, it doesn't even show up. I mean, we're talking about companies that net billions of dollars a year. It's such a big number that our impact is is so infinitesimally small. 
However, where we can have massive impact and where we've decided to kind of shift our strategy and focus is on people. And what we've decided to do is really focus on the people we work with in these data organizations, help them be successful, help them grow personally, help them add more skills, help them identify ways that they can use data to help others in their organization do the same. And the amazing thing that happens, maybe it isn't amazing, I think it's amazing, is by default, the company sees value and success, even though that's not our, our, our focus. Um, and what ends up happening is we start to create this kind of chain reaction. So when we take that approach with the data people we work with, they turn around and take that approach with the people we work with, they work with. So rather than pushing data to marketing or saying, hey, product, here's a report, they take a similar path. They say, how can I sit with these people and help make them more successful in their role? You know, use my knowledge as a data practitioner to help provide more insights for them to make them successful. And and really, if you're in these big companies, it, it, it sounds counterintuitive, but when you focus not on the company at all, but on making the people that you're working with better, more informed, um, helping them grow, the company has to default, by default has to do better. Um, the challenge is quite different when you go to the startup space because you can have a massive impact, you know, less number of people, less customers, less revenue. So for a startup, if you do something from a data perspective that adds another million or $2 to, to the revenue number, that's significant. Um, and so you can really have an impact from that perspective. Um, however, I think the true value of a data person in a smaller company is keeping things in perspective. Um, where we have the challenge of bigger companies being incredibly slow and nothing ever gets done, you have the opposite challenge in a startup. We've we've said it's a good thing. I don't believe it's a good thing specifically from a data perspective. It's actually a very bad thing to go fast. And so what ends up happening in these startups, you can have really positive impact and value creation on your startup organization, but your impact really is forcing them to slow down um, because I, we haven't worked with a lot of startups over our 10-year history, but enough to see a common trend that every single one of them was going so fast with data that they were making incorrect decisions based on very, very bad data because they were trying to go too fast, were making simple errors in math, calculations, how they presented their charts. Um, and so as an analytics organization within these smaller companies, forcing the data function to go slower and actually have meaningful data because the decisions being made here can be seen at the top line, can be seen at the bottom line because they can have massive impacts on a smaller company. Yeah, there's a lot there that... Um, yeah, I sorry, to, I just um, kind of rambled and rambled. No, no, it, it's good. And and cause the reason I wanted to say that is is I'm not disregarding anything that you said after this point, but I do want to go back to what you said in the beginning. Because I do want to harp on this. And it's actually something I said to a client like two months ago. I said, in with this, with the, the particular engagement with them and what we're doing with them, value is critical. Um, it, and value is not the number of projects completed, the number of JIRA cards moved. It's not, you know, ticket velocity and number of points per sprint. For them, value is critical. And I said, I am going to beat this to death. Just, just a warning. And... 
Yeah. So to your point, we're not dragging this out because this is absolutely something that we're seeing. We're seeing the trend continue to grow and it's something that cannot be ignored. So the client who I was with yesterday, their analytics team used to be a team of four or five. They're a team of one. And they may add at some point in the future, but like there's no, there's no open job rack. It's not happening anytime soon. So all of the work that was done by four now needs to be done by one. And that was part of the conversation recently with them was, is like, let's restate why we're here. We're here to help make your job better by building strategies and vehicles and frameworks to, to be able to do that. And if anything, March of 2020 set a precedent that no matter how many tickets you get done, how many points you complete per sprint, analytics is not valued by many organizations and they were the first to go. That is something, so the precedent's already been set. So then the next time there's not even a global pandemic, not even something at that level, just organization needs to cut cost. They've already set the precedent that analytics is going to be first up. Yeah, and, and speed and Jira tickets and and sprint points and all of those things are such horrible measures for a data team. Um, and the reason why they're, I mean, we talked about the fact that the data can be so incredibly error prone. I mean, that's the obvious, right? Like as we try to speed through data collection or reporting or analysis, um, data just, it's, it's hard. And the faster we go, the more mistakes we're, we're going to make. However, here's something that I want to drop that I think is is at the root cause of a lot of what we're seeing, yet we don't uh, attribute it to our desire to be fast. And that is when we're fast at things, we're valued as data pushers, data movers arounders, you know, data distributors, the report person, the data, you know, the data collector. And we get valued for that and, and praised for that. He's like, oh, you know, I threw this over the wall and Jim turned it around in five seconds. Like, so what is that? What happens? Well, let's give Jim more of that stuff. And then Jim feels good because I'm getting praise from the business that, wow, Jim did such a great job. But they're, they're valuing you as a data pusher. They're not valuing you as an architect, as an analyst, as someone that really understands how data can inform our knowledge of our consumers and their behavior patterns. And so we fall into this trap where we kind of get patted on the back for being the good boy because we turn that request. We, you know, we brought the stick back really quick. Um, but it's that type of work that is not valued by the organization when times get tough. What they value is strategic leadership, is insights, is, is business recommendations. But we tend not to do those things because those things take time. We have to slow down. And when we slow down, the business gets angry. What do you mean, Jim? It's going to take two weeks to build this plan. Like, we need it now. Okay, I'll do it now because you guys like when I do it fast. And we are and 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 we have no one else to blame because we've fallen into this trap because that serotonin hits our brain. We're like, wow, this feels good. I was just about to bring that up, that dopamine hit of that pat on the shoulder. Oh, man, it is. It, it yeah. feels really, really good. And as... Even as far as I've matured in my own career, I'm not, I, I can't lie. Like the, the drawl of that, the, 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 the good feelings that come with quickly jumping in and solving that problem or providing an answer, it is still a draw. It is very easy to fall right into that pattern. 
It, it is. And when you fall into that pattern, again, because you're getting that reward, um, it feels good. It's, it's, it's an addiction, right? It's a lot like any addiction that, you know, in, in, in small pieces, maybe it's okay. But when we become so addicted to that reward that comes with us turning things around quickly, and again, what we're valued for is we're the report guy. You know, we, we, we get the number and we push it over there. Um, and we continue to do that because it feels good. And anytime we try to take a step back, it's like, wait a minute, I want, I want the seat at the adult table. And I don't want to talk about adult things. Um, and we either get told, you know, no, you know, go back and do your report thing. Or we try to do it. And again, the pushback comes, what do you mean it's going to take two weeks to do that? What do you mean? Like, you know, the other guy we had, whenever we asked him for like an analysis of our conversion funnel, turned it around in 30 minutes. What do you mean it's going to take a week to figure that out? And so we get that pushback and we tend to crave and, or not cave, we cave into that and say, all right, like we'll kind of just do this thing and spit out the data again to our own detriment. Because when times are good, okay, fine, we can, we can do that. But when times get tight, when the business is operating out of place of fear, when, when budgets drop, you know, that, that little pushing data around is not, is not critical. It's not, it's not a linchpin. We're not a linchpin. We're not critical in, in the operation of the business. And I, I don't want to beat this over and over again, but the fact that analytics teams were among the very first to go the start of COVID in whatever this economic downturn was now this like fear in the run up to the election or whatever weird cycle we're in right now, it's the analytics teams that are getting hit harder than most. And I think, again, a lot of it is on us because we've wanted that pat on the back to say, hey, you turn that around real quick. They valued kind of our technical expertise instead of what they should be valuing us for is our understanding of business, our ability to use data to help us understand our customers, our, our ability to partner with product teams to build better products that create better experiences for our customers. That's what we should be valued for. But those things take time. And, and we have to be able to you know, kind of push back to say, to do this right, it takes time and, and, and get out of that cycle of having that immediate kind of dopamine hit of you did good, Jim, like yeah. you turn that report around real quick. Yeah. And, and the, 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 the images when you were kind of going and talking about like the pat on the head, like good boy, good boy followed then by the, but I want to sit at the adult table. Like there is like when, when it comes to being in a large organization, getting that pat on the head, it's very deceptive because it makes you think you're ingratiating yourself into the that level of being able to help make those decisions or provide that insight. But you're not. You're actually it's it, it's it's actually you're putting yourself into a vicious cycle where you pigeonhole yourself yeah. as that doer. And the problem is, is, you know, people who are so keen for that and you know because part of it comes with a desire to please they make things look so easy so that you also give the appearance of well jim can do this anybody can do this like if jim can turn this because there's this bias around time equals value the amount of time and i know what now what what saying you're about to bring up the the car mechanic thing mm -hmm. like you know like there's this bias that the amount of time it takes to do something denotes value. And in some cases there are, like if you're building something from scratch, you're 
you know, a woodworker, you know, I think of craftsmen like that, that there is just, it takes time to do, to do that. Yes, that's true, but not necessarily in these cases. And it could actually take you a lot of work, but if you make it look easy, then it's, Hey, anybody can do it. So if we need to cut costs, we can cut Jim. And when we have the budget again, we can bring in somebody else. Yeah. I mean, you bring up a good counterpoint on the, like going fast versus slow, um, in that aspect, I, it's, to me, it's not a fast or a slow thing because the time that it took to get there is the slow part, right? Like someone, someone that you just picked up off the street without any experience, isn't going to be able to tap that thing right there and fix it in 30 seconds. It's the 30 years of work that it took to get there. And that's where the investment in going slow pays off as these things can't, you know, even if that final act of tapping the hammer goes really fast, it's everything that led up to it. And to your point, that often gets uh, hidden within the business and, and they see the tangible thing. Oh, it took Jim you know, five minutes to give me that report. Well, what you didn't see is the two years of building the data infrastructure in a sustainable way, in a way that we could quickly ask questions. They don't see the hours and hours you put in every week of maintaining the data so it's in a place where we don't have to spend all this time cleaning it and reorganizing it. And so it's not that you delivered that fast, you delivered it very, very slowly. It's just that whole iceberg below the level of the water of the work you put in to allow that final step to look fast is unseen. And, and I th- again, to your point, it's, it's doing us uh, a disservice because we're just seen as that, oh, they just handed off the data, that little tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. What they don't see is all of the slow work it took to get to that point to do that kind of tangible piece quickly. Yeah. And that's where I think with digital analytics specifically, where we shoot ourselves in the foot routinely is this urge to come and help this desire mm-hmm. to please people, this, you know, that, that desire for that dopamine hit of, of coming in and quickly fixing a problem, you oversimplify it to the point where people don't see the efficiencies you've gained, the experience that you've gained, the, the, the efficiencies you've built in as far as processes go. They just see it able to turn it around like that. So they think anybody can. Yeah. Because, you know, there, and we've talked about it before with, um, with our work, like, there are certain aspects that get really, really weedsy, whether it's the data infrastructure uh, and working with development teams so that the data is reliable and readily available. It's, you know, you, you get into a certain language that doesn't necessarily re- uh, resonate with senior management and executives. So even if you were to try to explain it, sometimes it gets lost. Yeah, so I mean, I guess, and this is kind of deviating a bit, but it's it's really in line with creating value for organizations. One of those pieces of value we we should be creating is helping the under the organizations understand just what it takes to run a high functioning, high value analytics organization. Because to your point, when when there are organizations that do it really really well, um, and just put their head down and do the work and they create incredible value for their organizations, oftentimes it's seen as, as easy, right? We've talked about this in, in the, the, the sports analogy, right? So, you know, if you're a quarterback for 18 years, the game slows down and it just looks super easy. You're standing back there, you're not stressed, you know, and you just complete pass after pass and you make it look like he's not even working, he's not even breaking a sweat. 
you know, what happens if ownership looks at that and makes the conclusion, well, playing quarterback in the NFL is really easy. We can just go, you know, hire anyone to play quarterback, plug them in, but then it doesn't work. And how many times have we seen that in analytics organizations? You know, the work has been put in so that when Jim is running an analytics organization, it looks effortless. It's like he's not even breaking a sweat. He's not, you know, stressed out. This means we can just go hire anybody to do that. Ooh, we can save money and go hire someone half the salary of Jim that's a new college graduate, and they can just run the whole program. So they do, and then the team goes 1-18. And yeah. they're like, what happened? So there was an episode, and I'm going to have to link to, to the clip, where we had Evan LaPointe on, and he was talking specifically about that with people um, – misconstruing and missing the effort that people have gotten in to get to that level of expertise. And I'm not going to do it justice. So I'm just going to put a link to it, but he was talking about like looking at it statistically. Um, like I think he used baseball, but it was one of these things where, um, you know, a person who is at the top of their game hitting 300 and the odds of that person getting there and then again, because they make it look so easy sometimes, oh, I can, I can hit three out of 10 balls, but then without the level of effort, the actual chances of you getting there are so minuscule. And it's because of that, like all the, all the effort is buried underneath. So, and again, like I'll, I'll re-ask the question, like, how do we solve for that? And is it our responsibility? I mean, if we don't, then we know that we may be putting ourselves in a bad position. For for no other for no other reason than we we're really really good at what we do. So, is it our responsibility to show how the sausage is made? Is it our responsibility to be better marketers of ourselves? Is it our responsibility to help educate uh, our leadership team on what it truly looks like to run an organization? Uh, I I I don't know. Um, but this thing isn't new, and it's not limited to analytics and. You know, I saw it very early in my career and, you know, I've tended to be probably a little too mouthy in my jobs, but in my first, my first job out of college, um, I was routinely passed over for raises and bonuses and I finally just had been fed up with it. And I went to my boss, I'm like, dude, what is going on? You know, and I'm like, I see my coworker and like, I don't see what he's doing. He looks like he's working hard, but he's not really completing anything. And my boss told me, he's like, well, I'm having a really hard time getting, uh, approval for you to get increases because you just make it look too easy. But with, you know, this guy over here, he's here all night. He's here in the morning when he's working, he's running around like his hair is like, he looks like he's working really, really hard. So it's easy for me to get approval for, for raises for him. I'm like, what the hell kind of world is this? But that's what we're faced in, in, in analytics. When you're really, really good building and running an analytics organization it just looks so easy we often become a victim of our own success because, well, that's not really that big of a deal what Jim's doing. It looks super easy. He's not even sweating. Yeah. Um, I, I think trying to explain what goes into running a successful analytics organization to executives that don't have some kind of data background, whether that be BI data infrastructure. Um, and when I think of data infrastructure, I think of like development, like, you know, some kind of systems architect or whatever, trying to explain to other executives, like in marketing or business operations, it's not going to resonate. I've tried it. 
especially on the marketing side, is that is a losing battle. So trying to, to, to use your language of, you know, show them how the sausage is made, probably not going to work. It's, if you're up against that, then I think it's the fight you need to fight is making sure that the output of the team aligns with what those executives need, not want. And that, that's key. I use the word need on purpose because what they want are those requests that result in the pat, pat on the head. What they need don't necessarily result in that, but it's ultimately, and this is where it takes a level of skill and honing skill is really understanding what they need. Because again, let's just talk about life in general, wants and needs. When times get tough, the, the, the wants have to be put aside and just to focus on the needs. Same thing here. And I, again, I, I know I may be oversimplifying it, but I think that's the fight you have to fight is, is understanding what they need and making sure the output of the team aligns with that and anything that aligns with what they want. Yeah, you could deliver that, but the focus is on the needs. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you called that out because I think it's worth noting that this isn't just your opinion. Um, we, we have many clients that come to us with this specific ask. Can we, can we contract with 33 Sticks to come in and help, have you guys help us show the value of our analytics team. We know we're doing good things. We know we're creating a lot of value. The rest of the organization doesn't see it. Can you help us? And so a lot of what you're saying and your opinion is backed by experience. We've tried things. Some things work, some things haven't. We continue to try things. Um, but this is a, a problem we're trying to solve with, with lots of companies. And we're very passionate about trying to solve it because we want to see analytics programs succeed. We know the value they create. We know the, the opportunities they have to make a real difference and really uh, provide value to their org to the organization. Um, and oftentimes they are, but it's just not seen. Um, and, and to your point, it's not as easy as saying, Hey, look how hard it is to make the sausage. You know, you have to truly kind of align outputs. As you mentioned, you have to understand kind of the language that they understand. Um, and it's not a look at me, you know, we, all of our jobs are hard, you know, we get it. We're all doing very difficult things, but I think we're doing ourselves a huge disservice and we're putting ourselves in a very vulnerable position. If we just say, Hey, we're creating valuable things and the company will see that. If you work for a really good company, they will. If you work for an average company, they won't. And, you know, it's it's the onus is on you to make sure that your organization, your leadership understands the value that you and your analytics team are, are creating for the company. And you bring up a great point because we talked about the first fatal flaw that a lot of organizations fall into, this need to go out and answer every fire drill, jump on every request as soon as it comes in. The second one is that, assuming the value you see in something, somebody else is going to see. And the, John and I were talking earlier this week on this same topic, because again, he's seeing it where he's at too. And I'm like, we don't, there's, there's, we don't know the answer. We're still trying to figure that out, but we need to continue to talk about like this growing need for analytics teams to actually produce value that the organization sees and feels. And he brought up a good point in that conversation talking about later on the, you know, we, we talked about like, you know, for digital analytics, we usually break it down to two sides, 
the technical architecture, and then the analysis and insights. The technical architecture, you know, I said like one of the problems is, is a lot of times those teams just default to doing something, you know, whether it's wiring up a new dimension or getting new data available, whether the organization really needs it or not. He brought up a good point where he talked about the, the problem often is, is the analysis and insight side prepare some great information, whether, you know, it's, it's just a basic report on trends or they actually find something in the data and share those insights. But what they don't do is they don't take the next step to actually follow up on it. They just assume people are going to see the value in the analysis and insights they produce and someone else is going to take the next step with it. Problem is they normally don't. And that's where the organization does not feel the value of the team because they don't see the same value in the reports that they don't follow up or they don't take it uh, uh, the ne- to the next step. Right. And again, I think that further cements us as data pushers. You yeah. Know, like, oh, we, just, we, we did our part. Instead of us being active members of a, of a solution team trying to solve a problem, trying to create something with it, we kind of push the data over and say, okay, our job is done. You know, because that's what we're rewarded for. We're rewarded for pushing the data. And we need to break out of that really, really bad habit in order to to really provide the value and for the value that we are creating to be seen and respected by, by the company. Um, and I think that that's the biggest takeaway from this episode is that so many of us, and whether it's chronic or just sometimes we slip into it, we've all been there. We've all kind of fallen into that that trap where we've been in that cycle of being a data pusher because that's where we get the pat on the back and it feels good um, until it doesn't. And when we're when we're there, we need to figure out how to get ourselves out of that because that's not a good place for any of us to stay for a long period of time. Yeah, and I actually just thought of something, how we can start to kind of concisely pull this together. So like, you know, I asked the question at the beginning, what are ways analytics teams can create value for organizations? And to that point is not be a data pusher. The way One of the ways you can create value is the follow through, is not just produce the insights, not just say there's something that should be done here. It's the follow through to make sure that the right people see it, that there are next steps planned for it. That's how you create value. And that's how you align with the needs of the organization versus the wants of other people. Yeah, that that's absolutely right. And in order to do that, it takes getting out of our comfort zone. You know, if, if again, if we're just data pushers, it's so easy to fall into that trap of saying, oh, Jim asked for how many people looked at you know, our product page skew one, two, three today, I can turn that around really quickly. But the right approach is for me to go back to Jim and say, well, wait a minute, what, what are you trying to do with that? What are you trying to solve for? So maybe there's a different way to pull that data. Maybe there's different data you should see. And then when I understand what you're trying to solve for and I provide the data, then it's a follow through of saying, okay, so did, how did that work to do, you know, this marketing campaign or this, this, this page optimization or, you know, whatever it is that you're working on, can I provide additional data to help understand how the impact of the follow through there's so many things that you can do but it takes getting outside of our comfort zone so we can first understand why it's being asked and not just okay yeah yeah you know because again it's like we have that built-in mentality before jim before someone even stops asking for something we're already kind of running the thing query in our head right already do it i do it all the time we're already trying to run that query in our head 
I have to I I have to restrain myself sometimes because yeah I I can the there the person is half done and I already see the solution three quarters built and it's like you just stop slow down stop, slow down slow down why are you asking for this what are you going to do with it and again it's I think it's nuanced in how we do that we don't want people to feel like we're interrogating them well, why do you want this data what are you going to do with it <laughs> but more of a I'm really, really interested in what you're trying to do. And the more I understand what you're trying to do, the better I can provide you data to help inform that process and help you understand better. So it really is an, uh, taking an interest in what the data is being used for, um, both on the ask and on the follow through. Yeah. So, yeah, this is this has been this has been great. Um, it, it, again, I will say it here. I, I've told other people this I, right now. I am going to beat this to death beat this, this topic to death. It's, it's currently my soapbox because it's not at this point, again, because of the precedent that was set in March, 2020, when it came to organizations tightening budgets and analytics teams being first in line to be, um, decimated. I'm going to use that, 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 that term. Um, I don't think it's going to take nearly that much again for analytics teams to be first cut. And it is, it's, uh, I'll take what you just said, like getting out of our comfort zone, we have to push to make sure that we're aligned with what the organization needs. And that is how we, uh, in, in digital analytics, create value for the organization. Love it. Cool. Any, any other closing thoughts? No, no, I think that's, that's a beautiful way to wrap it up. Cool. All right. So let, let, let's wrap it up there. Um, we have one more episode um, in this, you know, un, you know, with this theme. And we actually have a special guest coming next week. But, uh, huh? well, I'm not going to reveal right now. Um, but, yeah, as of now, we got uh, we got a special guest to join us to, to wrap up the conversation around value. Awesome. I look forward cool. to it. Yeah, sounds good. So thank you much. And we'll talk to everyone later. See ya. See ya. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.